Hello, welcome to a special episode of the Money Lap Podcast. Uh, normally we do big intros at this time, but I'm going to keep this one subtle because the announcement and the news surrounding this special episode is big enough in itself. We have Justin Marks, the owner of Trackhouse, here on the Money Lap because just on Tuesday he announced that his team, Trackhouse, is going to be racing in MotoGP in 2024. An absolutely gargantuan announcement. Um, Justin, first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast to talk about this, bud. Moto freaking GP, how did this happen? <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to figure that out, Parker. Um, it's it's still wild to hear you say it. I mean, to, to hear it <laughs> out loud because it really was uh, something that came together um, really, really quickly. I mean, it was just an amazing opportunity that kind of landed in our lap that required a lot of people to do uh, to do a lot of work in a short period of time. Um, but it's it's a perfect fit for for the, the you know the long term strategy of Trackhouse, and that's really you know in my mind to build a um, you know motorsports entertainment company that's one of the most valuable and compelling in the world. And I know that that's an ambitious statement to make, but um, but we continue to trend in that direction. And, um, you know, to be able to have this opportunity in what is the second most consumed form of motorsports on the planet is uh, pretty incredible. So we can we can talk through the story and the vision and whatever you want. Yeah, well, there's so many places to go with this. I, I want to start just even the last couple of days. You went over to, to Italy to make this announcement. I watched that on Sky Sports. Um, there with Aprilia and with the MotoGP group and just sort of that experience. I mean, right then and there, you said it's surreal to hear even be talked about, but you were over in yeah. Italy announcing that Trackhouse is going to be in MotoGP with Aprilia there. I mean, it's just got to be a surreal feeling um, to really, you know, see how quickly you guys have gone international and to be in that, you know, the realization of that of being in Italy making an announcement. Yeah, I mean it was it was a pretty incredible trip, and honestly, we had we had December fifth circled on the calendar to make this announcement probably like three or four weeks ago, and the amount of work we had to do to get to a place where everybody was comfortable going public with with it was incredible. I mean, it was like fifteen calls with lawyers. It was like you know because there's tons tons of contracts we have to do, and yep. and the contract with uh, Aprilia and the contract with Dorna, the commercial rights holder for the MotoGP and IRTA, FIM. I mean, it was signed on our way to Italy. I mean, that's how close it came down to to the wire for us to get uh, to get comfortable. But yeah, the trip itself was amazing. So we tried to uh, check a couple of boxes. I was gone for I think three nights, maybe four nights, and we went to uh, Italy to Alpine Stars and Aprilia uh, on our way, and then we flew to Madrid for dinner with one of the riders raul fernandez stayed the night the next morning we flew to lisbon portugal to have lunch with miguel Oliveira, our other rider and then after lunch we flew back to milan for a few hour planning session and then we did the we did the announcement on sky sports uh in their headquarters in a, uh uh in milan and then had a wonderful dinner with everybody and then went to bed woke up and came home so it was it was a pretty <laughs> <laughs> Pretty wild trip, but we, you know, we we just try to get done a lot of the things that that we needed to, and make sure we spent time with, with the riders, and spent time with uh, Aprilia, and just kind of all the work that we've been doing, you know, tie it all together in this one moment, and break mm -hmm. some bread, and have some good wine, and shake each other's hands, and then say, okay, now now the now the work starts because it it has been a pretty monumental, uh, monumental task to pull this all thing this whole thing together. It was really neat, first time in my life doing media uh around motorsports in a different country i mean like we went to the <laughs> uh the studios of sky sports italia so they're in there doing you know their like sports center programs and their highlight shows and everything and like there was a football show or that cleared out of the studio and then it and then everything got liveried up in track house and we had a bike in the studio and jamie little was with us which was amazing and then uh, we did our thing and left, and it was it was just a really really neat experience to kind of see how another sports media company, you know, internationally um, handles that. But it was very very professional and um, very high end. So, you know, I guess at the end of the day, um, you know, racers are racers, whether you're in Italy or Talladega or mm -hmm. Australia or wherever. It's um, everybody everybody shares the same passion for motorsports, and that's been a really cool experience through this whole process. You mentioned the having December fifth circled for a while. What, 
what's the timeline here? You know, from the genesis of saying, hey, this is something we want to look at to, hey, this might be an opportunity to, we're going to do this. What do we look, what, what are we talking timeline? Well, I'll, I'll run you through the story because it's kind of remarkable. We, so, you know, as a, as a, as a fan of motorsports and somebody that's really trying to educate myself on, on the global motorsports picture, um, I, you know, I'm a fan of MotoGP, but, you know, for a long time, I've wanted to go experience one of the events. So in August, went to the Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring. Uh, just for three days to to absorb the event, see how they did fan engagement, how you know hosting and hospitality and brand amplification, how they ran the series, meet with Dorna, meet with some of the OEM, some of the riders, just kind of absorb absorb that event, just for my own learning. And as I and I was really blown away by the experience, and so started asking questions about the business model, the economics, and it became clear really pretty quickly that that. I recognize MotoGP as one of the the great values in motorsports um, on the planet. I mean, it was the amount, the reach that it has, the um, the passion of the fans, how global and international it is. You know, I mean, this is a sport that's got 432 million television viewers a year. Wow. They average 144,000 people an event. Uh, 22 races on four continents. It's broadcast to 207 countries, live feed. And, you know, they they just hired an American CMO, Daniel Dan Rosamondo from the NBA. They've, they're really looking at, at building a strategy around a resurgence of MotoGP in North America. And then I looked at the business model and the economics of it and immediately recognized this is a massive, massive opportunity. It's an untapped resource. And I think it's like a perfect strategic exercise for Trackhouse to go through. So I met with Dorna and I said, look, if, if an American outfit wanted to come into MotoGP, what would that look like? And it's not a, you know, it's not an easy thing. It's kind of like Formula One. I mean, there's only so many spots on the grid and, uh, but, you know, Dorna does control the grid and they have, they had a spot on the grid for a, for a new team kind of in their pocket waiting for the right opportunity. I mean, there's a pretty long queue of, of, you know, investors and teams that wanted to come in, uh, but they just, they really liked the idea of having an American team on the grid. So they said, look, if, if you can get yourself organized and you can find an OEM partner and figure this out, then, then, you know, we can, we can get you on the grid. And I said, great. Um, let's take a look at 2025. Um, we'll spend all of 2024 <laughs> sort of like, you know, figuring out the business model and figuring out OEM partners and, and all that stuff. And, and that's, that was kind of the cadence. So then I talked to uh, Aprilia, you know, the, we wanted to go with an Italian manufacturer. We wanted to go with a manufacturer that was, that were like racers and, you know, Ducati, Ducati's got eight bikes on the grid. It's a, it's a huge machine. Aprilia is almost like more of a boutique sort of racing operations where I think the relationship with them would be, would be a lot better. It was, it was going to be just sort of too difficult to do anything with, with uh, Honda or Yamaha or KTM. So we just started talking with, with Aprilia and, and kind of built a, a partnership uh, structure that was going to really, really work. And then Dorna called me and said, Justin, there's a spot on the grid for you, but it's, it's gotta be now it's gotta be now in 2024. They, there was another team on the grid that was having some financial problems and you know, they, they were dealing with that, you know, separately. And they basically came to me and I said, so I've got six weeks to pull this together. And they, they said, yeah, it's kind of like now or never. And, but at Parker, it just was too good of an opportunity. And so, yeah. so we just got really, really aggressive with Aprilia, aggressive with Dorna. We, we, you know, we built a, built a business, you know, incorporated a business in the U S around it. And, and just, it's all I've been working on for like six or eight weeks. Um, and you know, December 5th, it was something we had to announce quickly. It was something that we had to get done quickly because obviously we go racing in March. I mean, we go testing in Sepang, Malaysia in February. And I went to Aprilia and said, you know, I want, I don't want year old bikes. I want factory bikes. I want both of our riders to be on the 2024 bikes. So, you know, they're already producing, uh, they're already producing parts for the new bikes. And so now they have to like double their, double their production outfit outfit from which is which, what is something that's already kind of a boutique operation. So, like they're building swing arms and they're building, but they're doing all this stuff for us right now. Um, so we just, we had to get it done and get the Piaggio group and Aprilia comfortable with it. So um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot of work. There was some serendipity involved, but too good of an opportunity. And so we just dove in and just totally went for it. 
timing's everything, right? <laughs> um, I was, I'm, I want to like unpack the idea that MotoGP is sort of untapped because I've had that similar opinion in the last couple of years. Just a little background. I told you, you and I were texting about this. I got to host some of the MotoGP coverage last year for NBC, which was a really cool experience. I've always watched it. Obviously, in the Nikki Hayden years, uh, Colin Edwards, those era, I was always paying attention. Um, but one of the things that's really fascinating to me when I watched it was like, to your point, it seems so big. There's such a falling. It's a niche falling because it's motorcycles, but it just hasn't captured in America yet, really, in, much, in a big way. And like when you look at the success riders have had, for whatever reason, when you look at Nikki Hayden, who was a champion in 2006, that still didn't catapult it into the mainstream, right? So I think it is untapped, but like, what do, what do you imagine are some of the catalysts that's going to drive it more than, you know, for you guys being track house, being um, leading the American contingent. Now I love that livery on the bike and ode to Nikki Hayden. What do you got? What's, what's your vision for, Hey, this is what we're going to do to help propel that into America and help, uh, you know, tap into that growth that's possible. Well, let me, let me, um, let me answer that two ways. I mean, you know, one of the, one of the things that I love about MotoGP and, and it, we're fans of all different kinds of motorsports and, and I've had, you know, I've had, I don't call it gripes, but, but there's issues with, with motorsports in that, you know, in a very rapidly changing consumer demographic and rapidly changing world from an entertainment standpoint, you know, in a lot of motorsports, you can't see the athlete play the game. You can't see the driver drive the car. I mean, like so it's we, we we look. It happens in the NASCAR Cup Series. I mean, you watch these cars go around the racetrack. They, they might as well be remote control because you can't really see the guys <laughs> driving. But this is yep. what I love about motorcycle racing. It's what I love about dirt racing is that you can really watch the athlete play the game, and it's incredible watching these guys. These bikes have 300 horsepower, 227 miles an hour. They're using their body weight. They're dragging you know their body parts on the ground, and then once you actually really start to learn about it, it's it's an incredible athletic endeavor um, that requires an incredible amount of courage. So I, I believe that it's that is, you know, as motorsports goes, it's one of the most compelling things. Period. Plus, not to mention, it's you know the the riders have these aspirational star quality, and they're from all over the world. And um, you know, you race all over the world. The races are forty five minutes long. Uh, sprint races on Saturday. It's just it kind of checks every box for like a great uh, motorsports property. So tremendous amount of potential that I think is like you said, sort of untapped or or hasn't necessarily been delivered yet to the to the American market. But, you know, how can we be a catalyst? How can how can we do that? I, I mean, you know, there is a there is a very um, important strategy in place for Dorna and MotoGP to grow this business in North America. They are, you know, they're redoing their media rights deal for the U.S. right now. Uh, they're looking at multiple venues in the U.S. to be able to have more than one race obviously right, right now we race at coda but they're starting to look at other tracks there are conversations happening with content companies about you know investing in storytelling for the u.s market whether it's documentaries or docu-series or docu-follows or whatever it might be um you know to help sort of amplify and promote kind of what this amazing product is and so you know when we first started talking with dorna about doing this team a lot of the conversation was, you know, how can we figure prominently in that North American strategy? And so when I talk about Trackhouse, you know, obviously we have amplification and we can promote it through the NASCAR market, through the, the existing kind of motorsports market, given the platform that Trackhouse has right now. But we also want to do some of our own storytelling and we want to promote this thing through the Aprilia dealership network in the U.S. And, and you know, expose, like I said, expose NASCAR fans to it and really start to get creative about how do we get it in front of more and more eyes? Because if people can see it, they can see what what an incredible product it is. And I believe that MotoGP has sort of a, a similar opportunity to what Formula One had pre-COVID when, when yep. the show came on Netflix and everything is, you know, I tell people you know, like my wife, my wife goes and works out at the gym and all of her, all of her trainers and the people that work at the gym, they're all huge formula one fans because they <laughs> found it on this Netflix show. And they all like go to the races at Coda and they've had their favorite drivers. None of them could tell you what downforce means or what, you know, like 
what kind of engines in the cars or anything like that because they're there for the compelling storytelling and all that. And the racing in Formula One is not even good. So like when you look at MotoGP, it's got all those ingredients. We just have to get it in front of the people. So so it's going to be something that's going to that's going to sort of grow over time. Uh, but it's going to be, you know, getting a good media partner, doing, you know, more racing in the United States, investing in high level storytelling on big distribution platforms to get it in front of eyeballs. And then, you know, for us to be sort of the American team uh, to work with them and strategize for that. And we have a lot of ideas, but um, but the ink on the racing contract isn't even hardly dry yet. So we've, we have a lot of work <laughs> to do ahead of us on that stuff. Definitely. You know, it's funny you mentioned like the ancillary content. So a little bit just a background of, of my love for MoGP. I actually went to the USGP or the IndyGP back in 2008, saw them in person. Remember thinking I was racing USAC midgets at the time. And I said, if I didn't race cars, this is what I'd want to do. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Now, I also, as I've gotten older and I'm 33 now, I'm glad I didn't because uh, those guys take some gnarly wrecks and it is a very aggressive and they are incredible athletes. But one of the things that I think about all the time with, with MotoGP is the incredible documentaries that have been around it. You have fast, faster, there's hitting the apex, which I've told, I've tried to get so many people to watch. Um, I think you and I have talked about that one before because it was with Brad Pitt, it's one of the most amazing documentaries of motorsports ever, I think in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it predates Drive Survive and I always felt like, wow, this is the thing that could propel this in America. Um, but unfortunately, you know, just it didn't catch on that sense. They even had their own Drive Survive style thing that came out last year that was, you know, it was good. It just didn't have the platforms to get out in front of people. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, what they are able to do and make happen because you mentioned the racing is incredible. Some of the best racing there is. Plus you have the different sounds of all the bikes and I've heard them. They, what it blows me away is the fact that you hear this thing from afar and you think this is a massive race car headed towards me. Like this has got to be like, you hear those Ducatis. Okay. Here's a big race car. And then there's this tiny bike that flies by and you're like, what, how is that even possible? So, I mean, they're riding literal rocket ships around. I want to, I want to dive though, a little bit into just sort of the nitty gritty of this, the particulars. So Aprilia, they're located in, is it Noel, Italy? Noel. Noale. Yeah. Noale. Okay. Noale, that, just outside of Italian Venice. Credi credibility. <laughs> So they're there. You guys are, you know, located in Nashville and Charlotte. You know, what, how does, I know you just said the, the, the ink is just dry, but like, how is this working? You know, are you working on Italian hours right now? Some, most days trying to like figure out how to put everything together. What's that operation well, look like for now and what you view it in the future? Yeah. So I, I, we're sort of setting this thing off very, very similar to the way we started Trackhouse and NASCAR. And that is that we, you know, instead of, instead of coming out of the gates, making these massive investments in infrastructure and people and tools and equipment and all this is trying to find a good partner that can, that can get this project started and we can delegate some of the technology and engineering and operations work to an established outfit while we sort of build the brand and onboard our commercial partners and learn the sport and start to figure it out, which is exactly what, what Trackhouse did in 2021, where basically we ran out of Richard Childress Racing. And, and then, you know, while I learned and tried to figure out, you know, what the future of the business looked like, then the opportunity came up to buy Chip Ganassi Racing. And then a year later, you know, we're a fully autonomous organization. So I went to Aprilia and said, you know, and I can talk about the actual the actual uh, operations uh, of a MotoGP team are really, really interesting, a lot different than NASCAR. Mm. But I went to Aprilia and said, you know, hey, we're, we want to be your satellite team. We want to be your independent team. We're going to have great commercial partners. We're going to be we're going to be funded well to be able to have, uh, you know, the newest and best stuff. Um, and. I said, but but I don't want to I don't want to build a shop in Belgium or in the UK or in Italy or Spain or something like that. And I just said, you know, do you guys have the ability for us to run our team out of your facility in Noale? And they said, yes, we do. We have that. So we put together a structure where basically our bikes and our team and everything is going to be based out of the factory in Noale. And uh, we will have employees that are embedded in that building that will prepare the bikes and get them on their way. But the interesting thing about MotoGP is that basically everybody on the team flies in for the races. Like we don't really have a shop. 
it's more like a mm. warehouse or like a little bit of a work area for storage. And most of these bikes are maintenance uh, and rebuilt and prepared and torn down on the road, either like Wednesday or Thursday before the weekend starts or at the end of the race on Sunday night. And then everything goes basically into flight boxes and then DHL takes them to the next race and, um, and then it resumes there. So, so, you know, we do need a home base because the shop, the, the bikes need to be built. They need to be rebuilt when we, when we're on the European tour before we go to the flyaway races. Uh, and so we went to Aprilia and said, can we just do that out of your shop, out of your facility? And, and it's pretty easy. I mean, it takes, it takes a footprint about the size of my basement that I'm sitting in right now. So it's, it's really <laughs> not, not that big of a, not that big of a lift. But we're, we get to be right there in the middle of the supply chain, the quality control, the infrastructure and operations around their factory team. Uh, so our bikes will be good. Our riders will be motivated knowing that, that it's all coming right out of the factory. Uh, and then our, our employees basically will fly into the races and work on the bikes and, and, and go race. And, um, and then we'll run hosting and hospitality and commercial management and kind of build the brand and learn. And then, you know, at some point, uh, you know, we might have, have our own facility, but it's not a, it's not really a, a factory or shop based, um, championship. I mean, you, you just, yeah. you need a, you need a base of operations in the winter to get things going. But, you know, one of the amazing things is, is, you know, when you go to these flyaway races, they've got this infrastructure partner, DHL, you know, at the end of the races on Sunday night, you pack up the garage, you pack up the bikes, do some maintenance after the race, you put them in these flight cases, and then you leave and you go to the next race, whether you're going to Indonesia or Thailand or Australia or Argentina or whatever, and you go to the next race and, you know, do the, due to the work of the logistics partner, you get to the next race and your flight boxes are sitting right there at your garage stall. And so you just open them back up, you build the garage and you go back to work. So it's a really, um, you know, we've got mechanics that live in the UK. We've got mechanics that live in Belgium. We've got uh, mechanics that live in Spain and they just fly into the races and do the work at the racetrack. So logistically, it's complicated logistically, but actually it's, it's almost a simpler lift than a, than a NASCAR mm. cup race when you've got, you know, 60 people coming back to the shop every single week and doing everything at the shop. So that's basically how it's going to work from the get go. Um, and, uh, and we'll see how it goes. We're, we're building this, this incredible mobile hospitality unit. I mean, you've seen these things. It's very much like formula one where you, you have oh, you wow. know, like great food and a bar and like a barista and we can do this incredible entertaining. And, you know, I, I think it's one of the great values in all of motorsports for companies that want to host and entertain at a very, very high level internationally. It's, it's just like formula one, sort of the level of hosting and hospitality, but at an order of magnitude more, um, you know, less expensive. So, uh, that's where there's a big value <laughs> proposition, but yeah, I mean, I could just, just keep talking about it. Cause I've just, I've been at MotoGP university for the last eight weeks and it's really, really a fascinating, fascinating business. And we're excited to be a part of it, but that's how it'll work. That's amazing. And you do have that tried and true model of what you did with Trackhouse in the NASCAR stuff that obviously worked so well. You went from a single car team that was basically, you know, utilizing Richard Childress technology to now your two car fully fledged team that bought Ganassi. Um, which has been amazing. I think one thing to sort of talk about for those that don't know, that aren't that familiar with MotoGP, it's a big deal that you have a factory current year bike because that is mm -hmm. not a normal deal, especially for a privateer team to come in, not with the prior relationship with that OEM to be given the full fledged bike. I mean, that's, that's a really big deal. Normally these privateer teams are running year old stuff and they're sort of like a B team. You know, you see a little bit in Formula One with some of those teams that's not, you know, for you guys, that's not the case. You're a fully fledged 2024 bike. That's a pretty amazing deal. Yeah. I mean, it was something that was very important when, when we went to Aprilia is that, you know, I, I, I we really want to motivate Aprilia to be, to see the value of the partnership independent of just what we would pay for the stuff. I mean, like, like, you know, really approaching it as like a, as a, um, as an additive we're an additive business, um, relationship for them to really, really help Aprilia in general in the sport on the grid. So, you know, these independent teams provide, they provide ways for these factory teams to monetize, you know, the, the older equipment that they, um, that they otherwise wouldn't be able to monetize because they've moved on to new technology and everything. But I went to Aprilia and said, you know, let's, let's, uh, 
you know, instead of having two factory bikes and two independent bikes, let's find a way to have kind of four factory bikes on the team. Cause we have four incredible mm. riders. Obviously they've got Maverick, uh, Vinales and Alicia Spargo. And then, you know, with Raul and Miguel on our side, I mean, they're, they're all, they're all, you know, capable of winning, uh, three of the four have. And so, you know, if we get on, on the 24 stuff, that's just, that's double the data that's relevant for Aprilia and, and, you know, hopefully moves the OEM further up the grid. It's a bigger financial lift for us, obviously, to be able to do that, but, um, but it's worth it because, you know, I think as we tell this unique story about the American team and, you know, our partnership, and I think, you know, it's important to tell the story when we're talking to commercial partners and title sponsors and, and all of this, it's important to say, look, we're, we're here to deliver great value for your brand, but we're here to win too. And, yep. you know, as you know, Parker, it's, it's, it's difficult to run this business if you don't put yourself in a position to win. It's just very, very, very difficult. And um, so it was worth, it was worth it to make the investment. You know, they're motivated because like I said, they're kind of a boutique racing operation and they don't have the budget that a Ducati or a Honda or Yamaha has. Um, so there's, there's strength in the relationships and there's strength in numbers of people pushing in the, in the same direction. Uh, so that resonated with them. Uh, Massimo Rivola, <clears throat> who runs the team, took it to the parent company Piaggio Group and said, look, this is what Trackhouse wants to do. I think that it's going to really strengthen the Aprilia brand. Um, it's not just this, <clears throat> excuse me, this independent team, you know, that's six or eight spots behind us on the grid, but actually a true partner. And we'll have, you know, with the idea of having four bikes, um, that can win on the, on the grid. So, yep. um, so that's definitely a unique, uh, a unique thing for us, because like you said, most of these independent teams race year old stuff. And for a lot of the riders, it's a, you know, they go through the independent teams with the goal of, of, of getting to the factory team one day, but we want to be a destination. I mean, we want to be a strong independent, uh, MotoGP team that has the capability one day of, of, of winning a championship really, really hard to do because the, you know, the factory teams are the ones that, that win the championships. And I think that if I'd have gone to Ducati, KTM, Yamaha, or Honda and said, I want the new stuff. I want to be able to compete against you. I want us to compete for wins. I think they all would have told me to pound sand, but Aprilia understands <laughs> the value in, in that relationship. And, and, you know, Max Rivola has been, has been wonderful because, um, he is a company man and, you know, you don't really have to deal with, um, somebody who's trying to protect his own factory team and his two riders and, and, and doesn't want track house to compete with them for a win. I think he understands the power and having four bikes that can win on, on the racetrack. So that's really how we got to the 2024. I don't think we'll have two 2024 bikes on the grid, uh, at the first race at Qatar because it just came together so late. I, I would expect Miguel yep. Oliveira will have the 24 bike and then, and then Raul's will come, will come later. Um, you know, if he, this is also kind of interesting. If I, I was about to say, if Raul chooses go to go on the 24 bike, because Raul, Raul has been, he tested at the end of the season on the 23 bike and the 23 bike is so developed. And so when you have your, 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 your like 23 bikes are here and then you get the 24 bike, it needs development. So it, it shows up like this. And then with the hopes that as you develop through the year, it ends up here. And then the cycle cycle yeah. repeats itself. Raul's very comfortable on the 23. I think that there's a chance that maybe he'll decide to continue on the 23 just because he under he knows the bike uh, well. But I think that we'll we'll make the 24 bike available to him. We'll just have to kind of see how it goes because as you know in this kind of sport, the rider's got to be really really motivated and be very very confident. And so we'll we'll put him on whatever he wants to be on. They're huge. They're really integral on this stuff. Um, and you kind of alluded to it, but I want to talk a little bit just finances, and I want to get to the riders uh, later on. But the the finances of this, because you know, when I look at some of the numbers surrounding MotoGP, you know, this is up there in the echelon of the top level Cup teams, Formula One, that sort of thing. You know, you look at the estimated income for Mark Marquez is twenty two million, something along those lines. The pool you're jumping in is pretty deep. Just for listeners out there who obviously you don't know MotoGP that well, put into context compared to a full-fledged cup team. Are we talking that each, you know, are these 10, $20 million funded endeavors or, you know, is this a more of an IndyCar size, IndyCar size? What are you looking at as a, as sort of the budgetary size to go into MotoGP when you, when you're looking at, you know, what you're building right now? Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's a difference between the independent teams and the factory teams and factory teams spend a lot of money. 
uh, obviously because they're doing all the engineering and all the development and um and everything so and then they typically have the best writers which command that command the most money so when you look at mark and and fabio and and some of these guys i mean they make they do make real money for the independent teams the the cost for us to we're, race this we're calling this 20 series, we're calling 22 million real money that's what we're, we're thinking it's real money yeah yeah <laughs> although although <laughs> I, he's not getting paid that much at at uh at Chris City next year i promise you that but um, I'm just messing. No, continue, yeah, I mean, continue. Valentino. <laughs> I mean, Valentino was. I like, know. So um, crazy numbers. So I think that the budget, the budget definitely it falls in between. It falls in between IndyCar and NASCAR. It's cheaper than going Cup racing. It's a little bit more expensive than going IndyCar racing. But what's what's actually really great about the the business model of MotoGP is that these teams are uh, very supported by MotoGP. Um, the percentage of our budget that is covered by MotoGP is a lot better than it is in NASCAR. Um, international freight and logistics are covered by the partner of DHL. Tires are covered by the partner in Michelin. Um, mm. there is, it is a very team oriented motorsports property. They realize that their their teams are the show and that the, the solvency of their teams are of utmost importance and they look at this as an entertainment property they have to be healthy they can't have teams going out of business they can't have so they do everything they can to help those teams so if you back out you know <clears throat> what we get to be able to be on the grid from for commercial support and you look at the sponsorship delta it is if you look at what the lift is from a sponsorship standpoint, it's less, it's less than IndyCar. It's probably less than IndyCar wow. for both bikes for the second most valuable and consumed motorsport championship in the world. So it's a tremendous, tremendous value. Wow. That's, I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a really, if you're in, it's a really good endeavor to be a part of that you can make up. That yeah. Difference. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think it's, this is sort of why when you look at everything and you look at where MotoGP is and look at, and you look at the, the exclusivity of being on the grid and being kind of the American team on the grid in what is the largest, you know, one of, one of the largest, you know, motorcycle markets in the world and one of the largest entertainment markets in the world for us to be the sole team. I mean, it's just, you have to do it. You just have to figure out a way to do mm -hmm. it. So we did. Let's talk about your riders for a second. Have you? Got, <laughs> I know this has all happened quick. It's like, hey, I'm the yeah. new boss. How you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, had dinner, of course. You know, have have you been getting along with them so far? And were they kind of shocked as this all came together? I mean, I think that they both of them had kind of their their walls up when we showed up. Both of them were were really sizing us up and kind of eyeing eyeing me up and going sort of like, what what is this? What's this all about? Who's this guy? You know, and. You know, but but as they got to know me and kind of understood the vision, and and you know, we we got more comfortable with each other, with each other at dinner. It, it both ended up in a really really great place. I've got two very different riders. I mean, Miguel is experienced. You know, he's one. He's very cerebral. He's very intelligent and and personable and and very very sort of easygoing. And then Raúl is is just this like full of piss and vinegar, twenty two or twenty three year old Spanish. Um, just you know confident <laughs> he's a confident kid um you would expect but, a uh, but i love it racer yeah but i love it i mean you know just tremendous tremendous confidence in his abilities and just you know just very very intense and focused and looking for his opportunity and 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 um so very different personalities but i'm also getting to know just sort of starting to scratch the surface of, of understanding the psyche of of a you know a championship motorcycle racer and you know these guys are all they're all very very intense guys and there's a lot of pressure and i think it's part of the fact that you know obviously it's a competitive place and there's very very few rides available and people want them but it's also dangerous i mean and i think yeah. that that finds its way into the psychology of of the riders is that you know they they take everything just so seriously because there's potential catastrophe every time they get on a bike and that like I said, it permeates into the the total psychology of it. So um, I'm excited about both of my guys. We've got a proven winner and a veteran and, and kind of a leader. And then I've got, you know, sort of a guy like Ross, like where Ross was just a couple of years ago, just so much mm -hmm. talent and just waiting for that right opportunity and sitting on a fast bike. And um, I'm excited about getting to know them, them better. But you know, like I said, the beginning of it, they were, 
just sort of like, what's this all about? I don't really know what to think. And then, and then, um, Who's this guy at the end of dinner, in? we, yeah, at the end of dinner, we were, we were hugging and we were all feeling good about it. And then they engaged with the announcement pretty well, um, uh, on Tuesday. So yeah, it's good. And these guys are, they're superstars. I mean, they have massive followings. If you look at some of their social profiles, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, worldwide superstars in that sense, you know, one of your teammates, Alessia Spargaro, who's won for Aprilia is a real character, uh, you yeah. know, one of those, and you mentioned the intensity. It's like, you watch all the behind the scenes of these riders, they jump up those bikes and they're so intense in their engineering meeting. And they're just so, you know, fired up. And you, I think a lot of it, as you point out, is just, yes, it's a, it's a highly physical thing, right? It's why the races are 45 minutes, but some of the most physical you'll ever do, you're dragging your arm on the ground, essentially at 200 miles an hour. But then there is the danger aspect, and they all talk about it. They're all very open about how dangerous it is to be riding a motorcycle at 225 miles an hour, and that just that has to kind of be in there. So you're going to be dealing with, you know, some very intense individuals, no matter who's riding those bikes, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think if you, you know, if if you go out in a race car at Charlotte, if you go out like in a cup car in Charlotte, and you're really really loose you know, and you're free and, you're, and then you're, you're just sort of like, Oh man, not, you know, I don't want to wreck the thing. You know, you'll come back down pit lane. But like, if you're uncomfortable on the bike, it's like, guys, don't kill me here. I mean, honestly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, when you're in a race car, you have a lot of time to kind of just relax and think and you're, you know, you know, Parker, you can, you can just sort of think about other things. And I think on, on a motorcycle, it's, I mean, I can't even, I did the two seater ride at the Austrian Grand Prix. Mm. They have, they've got these VIP rides. You can do a two seater. So with like an Italian motorcycle champion, I sat on the back of this thing. I've, I've seen that. It's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, they have these bars on the gas tank. So you reach, you know, you like reach around them and you grab these bars and you have to prop yourself up under the brakes and everything. I mean, we were dragging knees. We were like 150 miles an hour. I mean, the, 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 the sense of exposure. I mean, I just was, I was blown away. I was like, if something goes wrong here, it's just going to be awful. Like it, it's just going to be absolutely awful. And I think that you're, it's so intense that when, when the bike's not right, or, you know, it's, it's the, you know, you're just the, whatever, if it's just not right, I think it really, it really, really impacts you deeply emotionally. It's like, come on, man, come on. Like we, we want to go fast. We want to, let's try to make something happen here. And conversely, which is why, you see the emotion in the wins and the successes, just how, how big of a deal it is for these riders. Because I think the experience of racing a 45 minute MotoGP race is so intense, so physical, so riddled with danger and requires so much courage that with that just comes an incredible amount of passion on the good side and the bad side. No doubt. Yeah. It's unbelievable what those guys do. And as I said, when I saw it in person, I was like, whoa, this is it's nuts. Wild. Even with the amount of rain, I, I saw them go in some of the deepest rain I've ever seen a motor vehicle race in because the, they can cut through the water, I guess, essentially. Yep. It's sort of, yep. So they can race in some far more, like like they don't have the aquaplaning issues that we have in, in yep. race cars, which is insane. So And the technology, um, I mean, it, the technology on these bikes is incredible with, with the, the anti-wheelie technology they've got on. You know, when they sit on the mm. grid, they like open a valve and the bike drops to like within a half an inch off the ground and they sit there, they sit there and, and then just to get, just to get the launch at, at the start, but you know, they can, they can release these valves and they can drop the rear end of the bike uh, with coming out of the corners and then only into the high brake zones. Cause in the high brake zones, then and when the front of the bike goes down, it releases the valve in the back and they're always working these things. So, I mean, there's, it's not just riding. I mean, they're, they've got a lot of technology to work with. Now we're in the aerodynamic era of the sport. Uh, so they're yep. these, these bikes, these bikes have ground effects on the side of the bodywork. <laughs> so when the bike's in full lean and that in the in the the fairing is against the ground, it's like ground effects on the bottom of a race car. I mean it's totally wild. Whoa. It's amazing. No shit. So yeah, I was so actually cool. gonna I dude, so like and you they had in the last couple of years they called the wings started sprouting, right? Which you're talking like essentially yep. it looks like air on a race car. And I've wondered yep. for a while, I'm like how the hell does that even work? Because this bike is leaning over and it's doing shit. So they're designing it in that lean over portion to basically start creating downforce in that area. Yeah. Yeah. So like when the bike is fully leaned over, the the fairing is so low to the ground that it acts as the bottom of a race car. 
and so the and so the the, the <laughs> ground effects pulls the bike to the ground and pushes those tires tires into the ground and then you know one of the, one of the reasons and i was talking to miguel a little bit one of the things about the that one of the things that made the ducati so good is that the ducati makes is making downforce under brakes when it's in when it's in full front lean and the, and the rear wing is up in the air but they've figured out some aero component that when it comes out of the corner and the back of the bike gets back out of the air it's still making downforce so it, it's getting in the corner wow. good and getting off the corner good so it's a it's a real aerodynamic thing right now and, and i think it's it's actually kind of a polarizing um yeah thing in the sport because like the technology is exciting it's pretty remarkable but as you know you know downforce is is the is the is like the worst thing to ever happen in motorsports i think in general <laughs> so so i think that there's there is like a there is a, a faction within the industry that is when we go to the new homologation in 2027 that we try to back away from this because we just can't get it we can't get the sport to a point where it it becomes so aerodynamic heavy that you know passing in the quality of the racing suffers so but it's kind yeah, but it's cool i mean for, for us like technical gearheads us nerds awesome yeah yeah we, we can get yeah. all into it and it's for sure and I, I i assume you know when i look at that happening and I, i've seen some of the blowback from it and i i'm probably in that same camp of like hey you guys have such a great product this is this is probably going to lead somewhere bad um so i would i would pre you know as, as long as it's been here and it's kind of cool to see it's like all right that's awesome we know it can be done but let's figure out a way to not be doing this because as you put it aerodynamics is probably one of the worst things for good racing that's that's out there um when you think about next year and then 2025 and so on and so forth what is success for trackhouse racing the mogp what are, what are we looking to accomplish what makes you go yep we did that that was the goal all right on to the next goal for next year well yeah i mean i i i'm going to answer it the same way that people ask me about about the, the nascar team when we first started is that there it, it's so new it's such a new endeavor and there's so much to learn that, that that i have no expectations or goals that are results on the racetrack related for next year you know i think that the goal is to is same thing we did with the cup team is build build a great team get to know our people understand you know the processes and how can we help the process how can we keep them motivated understand you know what what the riders need what they need physically what they need psychology psycho psychologically um really develop the relationship with aprilia figure out how that all that goes i mean i think it's a i think it's a big learning year uh and you know we make good decisions as far as supplying the people and the riders with the tools and the support and everything that they need you know if the bike is fast you know i think we can do well i think that that you know i think we can do well on the racetrack i just don't think that we're i'm going to sit here and say the goal is to win a race or the goal is to finish you know one of the riders in the top 10 in points or this amount of podiums we we have a lot to learn and i have a lot to learn and um you know, now that we've gotten the deal done, the structure is is set up. Everything is is good, and we're and we're building bikes, and we're getting ready for next year. You know, the big goal for me right now is is uh, commercial partners. We have a lot of really great conversations yeah. happening with companies to be title sponsors of the team. Uh, so it's a big it's a big cr uh, commercial and sales um, exercise for me over the next two months. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, I I. I don't have expectations on the racetrack yet. I think you asked me this question a year from now and I'll be able to have a much better answer for it. But the good news is that, you know, we do have a great uh, technical partner in Aprilia. So there's no drama about the quality of our equipment, the quality of the preparation, anything like that. Um, it's in really, really good hands. And, and you know, I've, I've been hiring, you know, some good people from a management standpoint. You might know PJ Rashidi, who, who's the program manager yep. for, um, you know, for Project 91, who's been at Alpine Stars and, and you know, been around for a while. This is his love. He's, he's going to work full time for the team, helping to manage this whole team. We hired Jeremy Appleton as our comms and PR director, who's been, uh, was the, you know, the director of the Triumph uh, motorcycle company for a while in Alpine Stars. We've got like some really good people uh, coming together. Um, so yeah, we'll just all dig in and, and kind of just see how it goes. Probably assess it about halfway through the season and then and then um and then just go from there. So makes sense. PJ's a big motorcycle guy. I know that known from yeah, his time huge. at Alpine Stars. He's always posting about MotoGP and super bikes and so on and so yep. forth. So uh I'm gonna we asked the internet for some questions, but before we get there, I just want to kind of go through your history real quick and just get your thoughts on this. So you started with a karting facility. That's basically become like the premier karting facility in the United States. You expand into team ownership in NASCAR, right? Become a, end up buying Ganassi and a two car cup team that's challenging for championships. You just were a part of the acquisition of the cars tour. Now we've got MotoGP team. 
what's next? What, what's, mm. what's on the, what is, what is the vision here? Cause you're, you're make you're charting a very quick, big path through motorsports. You talk about being the largest entertainment motor, uh, you know, facility in motorsports. What's next? I mean, what's on the, what's on the board? Yeah. So uh, if I were to just open the aperture a little bit and, and kind of zoom out and look at, look at my vision for track house, I mean, there's, there's only so far you can go in starting race teams and doing race teams and, you know, any expansion or investment that track house makes in motorsports, it has to be, it has to be a big opportunity. You can't do it just to do it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the traditional path when you, when you scale and racing in the U S is, you know, IndyCar, IMSA, NASCAR. And, you know, to me, to, to, to go IndyCar or IMSA racing, it would have to be something really, really compelling and unique, just sort of like MotoGP. So when I look at the, when I look at the, the opportunity for track house in motorsports in the future, I think it's diversification of the company is next. Mm. Um, there are a lot of incredible stories in motorsports history that have yet to be told. Um, I, I have, so I have interest in a production company. I've got interest in telling some of those stories. Um, I think event promotion, I think, uh, consumer packaged goods, I think, you know, strategic investments in, in high growth motorsports businesses. I mean, I think it's, like I said, it's a diversification of the platform. It's going to take an, it's going to take an injection of capital. I think that we'll, uh, you know, we'll raise capital to really start to scale the company. But, but I think, you know, with, we've got a great thing going with the cup team, we have a great, thing going in karting. We've got a great thing going with the cars, uh, tour. And then obviously now with MotoGP, it's, it's all, it's all, we've got great, um, racing properties. Now I think it's sort of, it's sort of thinking about, you know, what is a really diverse motorsports platform look like and where can we find value sort of around the actual racing events to build a, to build a brand and build a motorsports company. That's, um, that's, uh, you know, got high growth potential and, moves the needle and just has a lot of valuable assets on the platform. So that's how I'd answer that. You just made me think, you know, you've got Andretti Global, who seems to help the joke we have here at Money Lap is that they're trying to go for world domination, of a, a team in every single motorsport. You've got McLaren doing a similar thing. Do you, so to you, that's not the, that's not the way forward for a track house to be that sort of trying to have a, a team in every single series, like an Andretti Global or McLaren, who seems to be hell bent on this sort of, takeover of everything that races out there. Yeah, I don't um I no, that's not my goal. That's not my goal. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't view I don't view Trackhouse's growth potential and growth opportunity in just how many race cars can we have around the planet. I mean, honestly, you know, Formula E is not that interesting to me. Extreme E is not that interesting to me. Um you know, it's and there's just not a lot of it, it got to be it's got to be real big big opportunity stuff like MotoGP. I don't know. I don't know what, what's next, honestly, from a, from a racing standpoint, maybe it's something I don't see yet or something that hasn't come online yet. I mean, maybe it's world rally championship. I I mean, it might be something totally random, but it's, it's gotta be a compelling opportunity that shows the potential for real growth and real valuation for our, for our business. And so, yeah, I don't look at it like that because I think there's a lot more to motorsports than just the cars on the racetrack. I mean, I think that, that, you know, it's, it's got this massive global following. It's important to the OEMs. We're coming into a world where storytelling and content and distribution is so valuable that I think, you know, you, I think for track house, finding opportunities in those spaces is where we're going to have real growth, uh, sustainability and, you know, enterprise valuation over time. So, um, so that's kind of the psychology behind it. I mean, I mean, this MotoGP thing is really, really exciting for us. It immediately, it immediately diversifies Trackhouse with kind of the best of them out there. Obviously, we're still a small business, but it gets us in the global conversation. And now, you know, when you start to get yourself to this level, you start seeing more. If this makes sense, you start seeing more in the world. I mean, we've mm-hmm. had we I've had some reach outs just in the past forty eight hours that I never would have had um, if we hadn't have done something like this in MotoGP because it just puts us mm-hmm. in a different different sphere. 
And so when you look at opportunity for growth and places to invest and, you know, business units to create, I think once you start getting to kind of the level that Trackhouse is at, you just, you just start seeing more. And what I mean by seeing more yeah. is without the cup team and what we've been able to do in the NASCAR side, you know, I don't know if I ever would have had a conversation with, with a company like Dorna going like America's important to us. We have a spot on the grid. You guys are the ones that we want to come in. So, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. You never know who's watching. I always say that about or listening, uh, as we say here at the Money Lab. It's amazing what what content does, and what if you just you know put it out there, what what comes your way. Yeah. So I wanted to go into some of these questions from the internet out there. This could be a scary place. You basically answered one of these, Ryan. He says IndyCar team when we basically answered that. Um, we've got an interesting one here though from Br Any Mod Fan. He said, "How much cross promotion does he see as an opportunity between MotoGP and NASCAR, if any?" What do yeah. you see? Yeah. Well, um, there's 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 one one specific program that we're we're working on right now. And I'll just say that it's a really um really interesting way to expose NASCAR fans to motorcycle racing and motorcycle fans to NASCAR racing. So mm. um I think that you'll see cross promotion at events in the United States in 2024. Uh, and also, you know, we're going to, we're going to lean into, um, to getting, getting the riders and the drivers together. I mean, the, the, what's actually really cool is the, the U S Grand Prix next year at circuit of the Americas is on the same weekend as the cup race at Texas motor speedway. And so the weekend before, uh, we race in Argentina, the riders will be in the U S on Monday and they're going to come to North Carolina and, you know, engage with the riders. I want to get the, I want to get there with our drivers. I want to get the riders doing like pit practice and go into the sim and, and, um, we'll have a bike in the U S uh, all next year. So there there's, we're already sort of ideating around, around, um, you know, all of the, the cross, the cross promotion and just sort of like, you know, exposing two very different worlds, uh, to each other, which I think is going to be really interesting and cool and something we haven't seen before. But, um, I want to see a bike at a NASCAR race and I want to see a NASCAR at a bike race. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> right, deal. I think you have a possibility. Is it April 14th is MotoGP Circuit of the Americas? And we yep. in NASCAR happen to be at Texas Motor Speedway that weekend. I believe. Yep. So yep. Uh, funny, funny how that works. Uh, I'm going to see how that works. I'm, you know what? Uh, you know, if there's an invite on Sunday for the Money Lab um, podcast, you know, we'll, we'll definitely take that. I'll put that Let's do it. Let's do it live from Coda. Let's go. I, I would love that. It'd be amazing. Anyway, well, man, congratulations. This is so exciting. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I, uh, I'm i not surprised because I know how much, you know, you love motorsports and all motorsports. And you and I have had so many conversations about just where your vision is for Trackhouse. But, man, this is a massive undertaking. I think it's so cool. And, and uh, I can't wait to see what you guys turn into and the success on the racetrack next year. Awesome. Appreciate you, Parker. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Money Lap. As always, check out themoneylap.com for the best five minutes in motorsports or sometimes just the coolest stuff in motorsports. Delivered directly to your inbox three times a week. Check us out on YouTube. We're growing fast over there. And of course, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. We're all over the internet. We're spreading the word of how cool motorsports is. Check us out.